Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of MileHighSports.com. You can find all of my written content over at MileHighSports.com. And that is also where these podcasts, um, this Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, post in article form as well. Um, this is the, the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, though. Definitely go subscribe on iTunes. Tell your friends about it. Share this tweet if you see it through Twitter. Whatever you can do to help keep spreading this podcast to bigger and bigger lengths because the more viewership we get, the more support we get, which means the podcast can do nothing but get better and better. Also, before I dive into everything from the Nuggets win over the heat, I wanted to give a shout out to Rod Simba, the Regulators Production Group. Um, Those are the guys who came out and actually put together the intro and outro of this podcast for me. Um, Those beats are all through them, and they have been absolutely spectacular working with me, and I cannot appreciate them enough for what they've done. Also, Terrapin Care Station is the presenting sponsor of this show. I will have a read here in a couple minutes about all the ins and outs of what they can provide to all the patrons within the Colorado area for all kinds of cannabis goods and things along those lines. But before that read, let me just give you an outline of kind of what I'm where my brain is at after this Nuggets 103 to 87 win over the Miami Heat. Uh, the first thing I'm going to end up hitting on is, man, the Nuggets finally got defense back into this game. There's plenty of reasons just to believe that this defense, uh, this defensive performance may have been a fluke. I mean, this is a Miami Heat team who, the night before taking on the Nuggets, played a very tightly contested game against the Golden State Warriors in Golden State. They then finished that game, got on a plane, flew east, and lost an hour getting to Denver. Did not get in until the very late hours of the night or early hours of the morning however you want to you know semantics whatever and then they had to take on the nuggets in altitude after losing an hour on the second night of a back-to-back after playing the warriors so there was plenty of reasons why the nuggets had a leg up in this game but that's not the point the point is that they came out here and absolutely dominated defensively in this game also monte morris continues to be just an absolute killer there is nobody on this nuggets team who has been as much of an x factor as monte morris has been this year simply put and i tweeted this out the nuggets would not be in position to potentially have the greatest regular season in their franchise history without the contributions of monte morris considering the injuries considering all the ins and outs of the rotation considering all of the uncertainty and all of the random variables that exist within this denver nuggets team one of the very few constants that they have been able to rely on is Monte Morris, and I want to talk about how spectacular he's been. Um, continuing down, uh, Nikola Jokic just continues to produce. I didn't think Nikola Jokic was, you know, necessarily at his best against the Heat, but even not at his best, he managed to basically sleepwalk his way to 23 points, 12 rebounds, and four assists. Did have seven turnovers. It's it did look like those turnovers kind of reared their ugly head for the first time in a while, but. It's really important that Nikola Jokic, as the Nuggets' best player, even his games where he's not completely at his best, he still manages to find ways to produce. We'll get into that a little bit. We'll get into Mason Plumlee just being spectacular in so many different facets as a facilitator, as an energy guy. As a defender, as a rebounder, as a rim protector, Mason Plumlee has filled in so many gaps for this Nuggets team. Um, Then we'll talk about Malik Beasley continuing to impress more and more and how he has become one of the most lethal shooters in the NBA in recent memory. Also, I will finish up by diving into a bunch of Twitter questions before looking ahead to the Nuggets' last game of the uh, before the uh, the All Star break when they take on the Sacramento Kings and who I expect to play in that game. Maybe Isaiah Thomas. 
Thomas, maybe Gary Harris, probably not Gary Harris, but maybe Isaiah Thomas. Um, before we do all that, though, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. into what was a chaotic game to start and ended up turning into an absolute blowout by the Nuggets. So the Nuggets did beat the Miami Heat 103-87 to to continually improve their just ridiculous home record. I believe now they are 24-4 and at home. I'm currently trying to fill space so I can get this app to open so I can tell you guys, but it's really incredible how the Nuggets' dominance at home has completely come back, and it has in a very big way. I mean, they are 24-4 and at home officially after I finally checked as a you know someone who covers the team should but they just when they play at the Pepsi Center there's a different energy about this team and Monte Morris talked about that briefly in uh during shoot around this morning before they took on the Miami Heat that when they're at home they just feel comfortable they shoot better things just feel more natural to them which makes sense because this is a team that is young and they feel more comfortable in an environment that they are used to being in and playing on the road especially when you're playing in the Western Conference is absolutely difficult no matter who you're really playing outside of the Phoenix Suns so for the Nuggets to finally come home after losing three straight games on the road, it was exactly what they needed. That's kind of the way that I look at this win over the Miami Heat. They really allowed themselves, well, reminded themselves of really just how dominant they can be when everything is locked in, when they're dialed in, when they're mentally focused, when they're physically ready. And regardless of injuries, they can really blow teams out because they have so much depth. And that's exactly what happened tonight because the Nuggets came in, no Gary Harris still, Isaiah Thomas is still out, Paul Millsap did return, but he came off the bench, and they got 23 points on 13 shots from Malik Beasley. Mason Plumlee was insane with 11 points on 5-6 shooting to go with 8 rebounds, 3 assists, and three blocks in the game while being a team-high plus 27. And then, of course, Monte Morris, 17 points, three rebounds, seven assists. So they got a lot of people who stepped up as they usually have been doing this year, and got a very important win. And the reason this win was so important was because the Nuggets' defense had fallen off of a cliff. And I know that seems kind of hyperbolic, but it really has. The Nuggets fell, I believe, since January 1st. They are the 27th-ranked team in terms of uh, defensive rating in the NBA. They have been that bad, and that was after they were a top-five defense for the majority of the 2018 portion of the season. So the Nuggets needed to remind themselves 
themselves and prove to themselves that they can still be a very strong defensive team when they buy in and lock in. And that's exactly what happened tonight against the Heat. Uh, Miami did not have a quarter where they scored more than 27 points. They were held to 38 points in the second half combined. They only shot 23.3% from the three-point line, which is where the Nuggets have really been struggling defensively is defending on the perimeter. And the reason they were so good defensively tonight is because their energy level was outstanding. There were so many guys who were flying around and closing out to shooters with reckless abandon and trying to get into the paint to, you know, stunt down and create some chaos and havoc and be disruptive as Michael Malone has been imploring his team to do. And they really answered the call. And I wrote about this on Mile High Sports um, probably about 24 hours ago at this point, but Michael Malone and the rest of the Nuggets team, Will Barton didn't want to call it a team meeting, but there was a discussion that happened between the team, between the coaching staff about where, where their issues defensively lay. And they came out of that meeting and they had a practice day and it seems like whatever transpired between that meeting and during that practice day, the Nuggets have a renewed vigor, a renewed respect for what defense can do for them. And when they play defense, they absolutely jump up into one of the best teams in the NBA, full stop, end of conversation. Their offense is already elite. No one is going to think that the Nuggets offense isn't elite because they just are. It's a factual statement. But when this team buys into defending, when they buy into being mentally involved in the game, when they don't check out or take plays off, and they are 100% focused on the goals at hand for that particular game, they are almost unbeatable. And that was what happened tonight. Yes, the Heat were exhausted. Yes, there were many reasons why the Nuggets should have won this game. But the point is, is that they took control of this game and they just sent the Miami Heat packing in the exact way that they should have. And that's really been the biggest turnaround. That's the most important thing is that the Nuggets flat out took care of business when they needed to take care of business. That is the most important thing for them. They needed to continue doing that. And they did. They took that step in the right direction. And now they have positive momentum heading into the final game before they take on the Sacramento Kings. Uh, before I get off of the Nuggets defense, I do want to give Tory Craig specifically a very big shout out. I'm not going to be talking about him in any other parts of this podcast, but what Tory Craig has been able to do defensively, especially in this game against the Miami Heat, the Nuggets defense is allowed to do so much more because he clears so much ground. He picks up so much of the slack defensively. And Adam Mades of Denver Stiffs was really tweeting out a good video of this on his Twitter page somewhere around, you know, midnight. 12.30 in the morning after the game where Tory Craig was just making rotation after rotation after rotation and flying around like a madman and without him the Nuggets would not have had such a great defense, and the same can be said for Monte Morris, who I'll talk about next, because, man, Monte Morris was an absolute killer in this game. He hit all five of his first shots and was just seriously unstoppable. So Monte Morris ended up finishing the night with a line of, man, good on, good on me being ready tonight, Um, 17 points on 7 of 11 shooting. He had two of his four three-point attempts, hit his only free throw, which came off an and-one opportunity, had three rebounds, one of which was offensive, and then seven assists against a grand total of zero turnovers. 
So basically what I'm saying is, as a facilitator, Monte Morris was Monte Morris, but as a scorer, he was, again, just fantastic. I, I'm running out of superlatives or, you know, these really emphatic adjectives to throw Monte Morris's way because... This has just been happening every single game. At some point, we need to stop being surprised that Monte Morris is apparently one of the best backup point guards in the NBA, who could probably start for a third of the teams in the NBA and improve their roster. It just is what it is. Monte Morris is just that damn good, and he continues to prove it on a night-to-night basis. He hit his first five shots tonight, really kept the Nuggets above water when they needed him to, was a plus 16 in the game, and again, like I talked about a couple minutes ago, his defense was so good. He battled and battled and battled and battled, and he was a part of the five-man group that went on a 16-0 run in that third quarter. The lineup that the Nuggets played in that third quarter was really interesting, too, because, and this is something Adam Mades, again, of Denver Stiffs, was hammering tonight after the game. The Nuggets played a lineup of Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, and Will Barton as the 1, 2, and 3 with Mason Plumley and Nikola Jokic. What that group does is they are so versatile because all three of the backcourt or perimeter players, however you want to kind of, you know, pigeonhole them if you know per se all of them are able to do whatever you're looking for offensively will barton can shoot will barton can get to the rim will barton can pass monte morris can shoot monte morris can get to the rim monte morris can pass same thing with jamal murray when you have all three of those guys who can run through dho's or break down a defense on their own or play with the ball in their hands or get in the pick and roll with mason plumley it makes things extremely easy for them and it also allows them to play monte morris as the primary defender of point guards which is Honestly, he's been better than Jamal Murray has been this year in in, in terms of defending point guards. Um, also, with that lineup, Mason Plumley and Nikola Jokic together with those three hyper-versatile guards is just so lethal because Mason Plumley, first of all, is willing to do all of the dirty work. So you have a defender on the floor who can make up for the defensive inabilities of Nikola Jokic. He also is a fantastic guy in terms of crashing the offensive glass and playing the short corner or the dunker spot role where they sit kind of right at the... It's basically at the bottom, it's between the three-point line and the rim on the baseline. They sit right in that little hole so that if a player does slice into the into the paint and they draw a defender over to them, they're in a perfect position to take that dump pass and dunk it home or put a layup in or whatever it ends up being. So they can really do whatever they want in terms of that setup, but also Mason Plumlee and Nikola Jokic have won pick and rolls and DHOs together with either one as the initiator or the ball handler, however you want to phrase that. Additionally, all five of them can grab a defensive rebound and push the ball up the floor, which allows the other four to fill lanes in transition and it speeds up the game for them. So that lineup of Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, Will Barton, Nikola Jokic, and Mason Plumlee ended up outscoring the Heat 25-5 to in six minutes in that third quarter. They went on that 16-0 run, and, with, and that was the run. That was the haymaker. That was the one that ended this game for everybody involved. From that moment forward, there was just not a chance for Miami to sneak back into it. And I hope we see more of that lineup, especially if Gary Harris is going to continue being out for a you know prolonged period of time because that lineup I don't think this was a blip on the radar obviously we need to see more of it before we can make any real factual statements but that lineup looked as potent as you would expect it to be when you look at it on paper and that to me is a very good sign that it is a lineup that can be used in multiple circumstances and will be able to continue to thrive regardless of the 
opposition or whatever they're playing against in that moment. So I thought that was a hyper interesting little piece of that equation. Um, Before getting off of Monte Morris, I also want to point out that Monte Morris, it might be on the most team-friendly deal in the entire NBA. And normally when you say that about guys that are basically rookies like Monte Morris, it's because they're on rookie contracts. Monte Morris is not on a rookie contract. Monte Morris signed a full-fledged NBA deal, and it was a three-year deal worth a total of $4.8 million. The Nuggets are barely paying him over a million dollars a year. That is absolutely an undeniably insane. Monte Morris, again, could probably start for a third of the teams in the NBA right now. That is how good he is. That is how good he has been. There's a question that came up that I'm going to get to and I will re-answer from the Twitter questions that came in tonight about if about who I think the Nuggets' second best player has been uh, pre-All-Star break other than Nikola Jokic, and my answer would be Monte Morris. Monte Morris has been so steady. He has been a catalyst for the starters and the bench unit. He helps blend the starters and bench unit. He has defended his ass off. He is shooting like 45% from three-point distance. He has perfected the floater. He has a mid-range jumper. He has great finishing touch at the rim. The dude does everything, and he makes no mistakes. He has been so phenomenal in so many different ways, and I need to stop gushing about Monte because I can continually do it forever, but it is time to move on, but just know that there is nobody in the NBA who is as valuable considering the money they are making as Monte Morris is. All right, the next point that I have to get to is the obligatory, holy crap, Nikola Jokic is good and he makes it look way too easy. Nikola Jokic tonight had 23 points, which was second on the, or which was tied for the for the lead of the team with Malik Beasley. He was 7 of 16 from the field, which isn't great for him. Uh, 3 of 3 from the three-point line, 6 of 7 from the free throw line, 12 rebounds, all defensive, 4 assists. He did have 4 turnovers, which was, or 7 turnovers, which was awful, um, but overall, Nikola Jokic did not seem like he, this was anywhere near his best game, and yet it just kind of happened that he had another great, spectacular, insane, phenomenal, just effortless game as he continually does over and over again. I was talking with a bunch of the media members in Denver before the game, and we kind of came to the conclusion that it's... it. Star players, even when they have bad nights, don't have terrible nights. And that kind of is a prerequisite to being a superstar. Like, even on James Harden's worst nights, he could be 4 of 19 shooting from the field. That man still has 25 points and 6 assists or whatever it ends up being. And... Nikola Jokic has kind of stepped into that realm. Now Nikola Jokic is basically putting up 20 points per game every single night. He's able to gobble up at least 10 rebounds a game. And the four assists he had tonight, he could have had more. He was setting guys up very well and shots just didn't always fall. So for Nikola Jokic just to kind of stumble out and put together such such a great night is actually a very important development in his progression towards the level of being a legitimate superstar in the NBA. Um, It's not good that he had seven turnovers. It's not good he was inefficient from the field. It's not good that he was taking so many jumpers. But it is good to see that even on his nights where he isn't great, he can still be a very reliable and useful player for the Nuggets to the point where they can still give him the ball and say, go be our best player, and he will still produce for them. And that happened in this Miami Heat game. Um, Mason Plumlee. Oh, man, was Mason Plumlee good in this game. 
I usually hate the plus-minus stats that come up on the box score because it's not indicative of an, of an individual performance. Mason Plumley, though, tonight, he is absolutely the exception because he played 30 minutes, only had le- he had 11 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 blocks. None of those numbers jump off the page. It's not like you'd be like, wow, Mason had a great game. In a game that the Nuggets ended up winning by a total of 16 points, Mason Plumley was a plus 27 when he was on the floor. Simply put, when he was on the floor, the Nuggets were absolutely destroying the Heat. He was a defensive demon. He was all over the perimeter. He was blocking shots. He was getting into guys' faces. He was diving for hustle for um for 50-50 balls. He was hustling his ass off. And Matt Moore of the Action Network, I keep giving all these guys shout-outs. It's my podcast. You can give them shout-outs, but I love these people. But Matt Moore made a really interesting observation in this game. And it's that when the Nuggets are the most lifeless and they look like they need energy at the most is when Mason Plumley ratchets up his energy and turns it to 11 and starts trying to look for these crazy momentum-swinging highlight-type plays. And he had a couple blocks in this game and a couple dunks where you're like, that dude is not messing around. And Michael Malone, after the game, said it that, his energy is infectious. Mason Plumley's energy absolutely is infectious. And without his defensive ability, there's no way the Nuggets come out with such an easy game or such an, a sure-handed win. He was so good no matter who he was defending tonight. Hassan Whiteside was 3 of 7 from the field. He ended up being matched up with Kelly Olenek more than anybody because of how well they, he moved on the perimeter. But Olenek was 4 of 13 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3, and had 2 turnovers on the night I mean and was a minus 20 Mason Plumley was again just so 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 good in this game and there's a reason that the, that Tim Connolly identified him in for that trade when they moved Yusef Nurkic out of Denver this is not just a guy that was thrown in for the Nuggets to move on from Yusef Nurkic Tim Connolly identified Mason Plumley as a player that he wants and Michael Malone has fallen in love with what he brings to the table and now the rest of his teammates are realizing how invaluable he really is to this team and that is what he is is. He is invaluable to this team. He has been so good, and I cannot say how important he has been because without his determination, without all of his energy, without the fact that he is willing to buy into whatever role is not being filled at any given time, the Nuggets are not in this position. Full stop. He has been that good and that important and integral to what the Nuggets have done this season. Last player I wanted to talk about, and last little talking point before I dive into some Twitter questions, was Malik Beasley just continuing to produce more and more and more and more and more, and it's becoming a it's becoming a theme to the point where Malik Beasley is going to be automatic from three point range, and he has not been making mistakes. Um, Tonight against the Heat, Malik Beasley played 27 minutes but still managed to put up 23 points. He was 8 of 13 from the field, 5 of 7 from 3-point range, hit both of his free throws, and then had 2 assists and no turnovers. That is a mistake-free game. That is a game where he absolutely produced in a big way offensively. And it's getting to the point now where Malik Beasley has emerged as one of the Nuggets' best young and up-and-coming players. And I don't say I don't put him in the category of a Jamal Murray or Gary Harris, like some people want um, him to be involved with, because he hasn't done it as long yet. He needs to keep proving that he can do this for longer than three or four months. But at this point. It is what it is. Malik Beasley has been fantastic, and he continues to produce when this Nuggets team need it most, especially offensively and especially shooting from the outside. People forget that 
when Malik Beasley was in college, before he got hurt, he was putting up, I believe it was like 21 points a game on like 63 true shooting percentage. The only other player in NCAA history, if I recall the top of my head correctly, um, was Kyrie Irving to match those numbers ever. And Kyrie Irving had only played nine games when he was in college because he got hurt as well. So... Malik Beasley once was once a historically efficient offensive player in college, and it's so great to see him getting back to that kind of player. Also, when that dude dunks get out of the way, he's going to kill a man one of these days with those violent dunks that he throws down. He has been so good for Denver. It is now time for my favorite segment, which are answering Twitter questions. Um... So let's just dive into it. Dylan on Twitter asked, do you think Monte Morris could become very key and and an underestimated player in the playoffs like he has been this regular season? I love this question because it's not something that I had thought about. Um, I guess I still haven't fully wrapped my head around the idea of the Nuggets being in the playoffs and how these players fit in a playoff environment. I've had random thought processes about Nikola Jokic or Jamal Murray or whatever, but a guy like Monte Morris, those are the kind of players that make a very big difference in playoff series because every mistake is so heavily magnified in this game or in, in the playoffs that having a guy like Monte Morris who doesn't make a mistake, who always makes the right read, who is so automatic from three-point range, who has the floater to fall back on and the finishing ability at the rim. All of those things are so important in a playoff series that I do believe that Monte Morris could be a guy that plays like 25 minutes a night in a playoff series. That would not surprise me at all. And he also has the trust and respect of the coaching staff to allow him to play in that role in a playoff series. So... Thank you for this question, Dylan, because I think it's an important conversation to have because guys like Monte Morris, those kinds of point guards, if you don't play basketball with any mistakes in the playoffs, you have a very good opportunity to win those games, even if you may be a little bit less talented or don't have the best player in that or in the series. So Monte Morris could end up being so much more important than he's even shown already. So yes, I do think Monte Morris could be very key in a playoff series. Uh, Todd or Toad, it's T-O-D on Twitter. I'm sorry I'm not saying your name correctly, but um, he asked, assuming Jokic is the MVP at the All-Star break, who would you put second for the Nuggets? Um, I, like I said earlier, without a doubt, it would be Monte Morris for me. He has been the X Factor on this team. He's been the second most important player on this team. Obviously, with the caveat that injuries have forced him into that role and that injuries have forced players not to be able to you know, put themselves in that conversation, but still... I mean, the cards have been have been handed out, and Monte Morris has the hand that he has been dealt, and he has done an incredible job with it. Um, I do think beyond Monte, though, that before Paul Millsap got hurt, I would have said Paul Millsap. Before Jamal Murray has been fighting this ankle injury, I would have said Jamal Murray. And before Gary Harris had this, well, first, ankle injury, hamstring injury, hip injury, and adductor injury, I would have said Gary Harris. But again, because of all of those things, Monte Morris has been the one to step up and to provide the most of the Nuggets when they needed it the most. Uh, Vladimir on Twitter asked, considering how bad Lyles has been this year, should he get a, should he get, did not play coach's decisions for the rest of the year? I wanted to bring this up because it's been such a big talking point on Twitter and amongst Nuggets fans, and... I want to preface this by saying I think I'm as hard on Trey Lyles as anybody, so I'm probably a little bit further along this thought process than most, but 
I would not be playing Jared Vanderbilt anymore. Or sorry, Jared, uh, Trey Lyles anymore. I would be playing Jared Vanderbilt some spot minutes, and I would be looking to get Torrey Craig minutes as a small ball power forward. That's honestly what I would be looking to do because Trey Lyles has been a negative offensive player for the majority of the year, if not all of the year. He has been a step slow, if not worse, defensively, and that really came to its climax against the Heat. He was a disaster against the Heat, and... I don't see a pathway to Trey Lyles helping this team unless suddenly out of nowhere his shot just starts falling, which it hasn't done for 55 games, whatever it's been. Um, At this point, Trey Lyles, from my vantage point, I don't have any insider information on this, he's on the outside looking in for the Nuggets' long-term plans. He's going to be a free agent after this year, a restricted free agent, so the Nuggets will have to decide if he's worthy of giving him more money to potentially even go into the luxury tax to keep him, and if he's even worth the roster spot that they are giving to him when they bring him back. So I don't even think that he is in their long-term plans. I don't even think Trey Lyles will be in Denver next year, so so for me, at this point, you're so banged up, you might as well give guys like Jared Vanderbilt more run because what are you really getting from Trey Lyles? I mean, is he really providing much? So while saying he should not play ever again for the rest of the season, no matter what may be extreme, the idea of playing Trey Lyles significantly less is something that should be explored and if it was me, would happen because he has just not been able to help this Denver Nuggets team when they when they need him to. And because of that, it just is what it is. I mean, they have to find a, you know help elsewhere and Jared Vanderbilt has shown in short spurts that he is a very good defender has great instincts and is an elite level rebounder in time and that Torrey Craig has the strength size quickness and length to be able to defend power forwards depending on the matchup so if it was me I mean I'm splitting up those backup power forward minutes between um, Torrey Craig and Jared Vanderbilt I'm playing Mason Plumley a few more minutes of power forward alongside Nikola Jokic and the rest of them can get sopped up by Paul Millsap so for me I, I don't see a role for him anymore if he's going to continue playing like this and I think that this is an important conversation, especially after this Heat game, because Trey Lyles played four minutes and then did not play the rest of the game until garbage time tonight. And I think that is indicative of Malone's frustration with what Trey Lyles has brought to the table or actually not brought to the table. So I don't know what it is, but it's going to be frustrating to for both parties involved because Michael Malone has been a big vocal supporter of Trey Lyles. It just hasn't really panned out at this point. So, the Nuggets have one more game for the All-Star break. They will take on the Sacramento Kings on Wednesday, I believe. Um, And that will be the last game. It's a home game. We'll have to see what happens then. Um, I am feeling, I, I have a good feeling that Isaiah Thomas could play in that game. Um, I do not think Gary Harris plays, and this is all speculatory. Um, there's just no reason to bring Gary Harris back, considering this is the fourth lower body injury that he has had this season, and it has led to him missing 24 games now. Just rest him throughout the All-Star break. Do not bring him back. Um, Paul Millsap returned tonight, so Paul Millsap is back. Maybe Isaiah Thomas comes back, and suddenly the Nuggets injury report is down to just two players, with Gary Harris looking like he could return once the All-Star our break ends. So it's going to be an interesting last game. If the Nuggets can get this win, go into the All-Star break with a two-game winning streak, feeling better about themselves with their three-game winning or losing streak in the rearview mirror, it'll allow them the opportunity to come out of the All-Star break with energy and bravado and confidence to be able to lock up a playoff spot as quickly as possible. That is the goal. That is what they need to do. And it's good to see the Nuggets get a win against the Heat in the way that they did, but they got to finish the All-Star break strong and get this win over the Kings. 
Um, that is it from, from the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I know that this was a little bit longer of a pod. I appreciate you guys listening. Definitely go check out the Regulators Production Group on uh, Instagram. They are under uh, Regulators Regime on Instagram. Also, Rod Simba of them as well as on Instagram, one of the good dudes around that you'll find. That is R-O-D-S-Y-M-B-A on Instagram. That's Rod Simba. And also, go give a shout-out to Terrapin Care Station. Those guys are great. All of your cannabis needs can get filled at any given time because of them. They are very easy to deal with, very discreet, and very subtle, and very good prices. And last but not least, actually the most important, thank you to all the fans, listeners, readers, everybody who has supported us on this path. Mile High Sports was getting better and better and better, and we wouldn't be able to without you. So thank you guys so much for supporting and being involved, and I will talk to you guys very soon.